welcome to the DJ Mark Flow Podcast. Come on. Ayo, what's up everybody? Welcome to the DJ Mark Flow Podcast. Ayo, what's up everybody? Welcome to the DJ Mark Flow Podcast. Guys, it's episode 7. How insane is that? We are on episode 7. That's what I always tell you guys, fail forward. I didn't know what I was going to do with this podcast. I started it, now I'm on the 7th episode. The response has been incredible. So, much love to everyone for that. So we have a really, really cool guest here today, guys. So you're not just going to hear my voice. Um, we have Marisol Garage. Did I say your name right? Yes. All right. <laughs> Marisol Garage is in the house. She's been a teacher since 1997 in the public school system in the Bronx. She is now part of a Head Start program where she works with three to five-year-olds and gets them ready for the world. And she's gonna tell us a little bit about that and her experience with that. She's a graduate from NYU. She has her major in broadcast journalism. So Marisol, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I just wanted to add, I also got my master's degree from Lehman College. Amazing. Right, so I have my master's in elementary education from Lehman College. Which makes sense. That's why you're a teacher and you're doing yes. all this great work. Mm -hmm. That is incredible. So I'm really happy you're here. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Oh, this is awesome. So Marisol and I go way back. I've known her since I was a kid in high school. And, you know, we used to go to a lot of the same parties and we had a, a lot of um, similar groups of friends. All of our friends knew each other. So I'm really happy to have her here. And that's one of the great things about this podcast. It's reconnecting me with all the wonderful people that I've known over the years. So this is really exciting and I'm really happy you're here. Mm -hmm. So you. let's jump right into it. Mm -hmm. All right. So bef actually, before we jump right into it, I want to ask you a question. So tell me a little bit about the Head Start program. And what exactly is that? So basically Head Start, um, it's a federally funded um, educational program. Um, I specifically work for Ulster County Community Action and that's Head Start. So basically we work with low-income families whose children um, qualify for the program. And we have in the building, it's three, four and five-year-olds. So what we do is we're basically trying to get them ready for the elementary school years. So our program and our curriculum is high scope curriculum. And so we deal a lot with the foundational um, focus of the program really is social and emotional learning. So we have to deal with that before anything, meaning we need to make sure that the children are self-regulated um emotionally and they know how to deal with their emotional issues like for example a lot of my kids have a lot of anger issues and okay they also come from traumatic backgrounds so a lot of them deal with um trauma that they've experienced in the past so that's why um a program helps us helps them deal with their social emotional issues and also transitioning them into the elementary school um, so we work like with the routines that they need to start learning about, um, as far as transitioning, let's say in the morning, we start them off with breakfast and then greeting time and then outside time. So 
helping the three, four, and five-year-olds transition to the different parts of the day is a lot of the struggle because um, some of them, like, let's say from breakfast time to greeting time, they have a hard time, like, understanding that there's a time and a place for everything. So what they'll want to do is just run around the classroom and do things like that. And right. we're trying to train them into like how to transition into different parts of the day. So we have to use different cues like bells and okay, we're going to use walking feet to go over to the rug now. Got it. And trying to just give them that stability and training that they need to be in a classroom, you know, throughout the day and transition for the different parts and just being in a long classroom setting like we start at 8 45 and then the parents pick them up at 2 40. um but it's basically just getting them ready for elementary school um so okay so how does a parent well what are the qualifications like how does a child find out about this program how do they become part of is it a separate school called head start or is it a program within the school like so how 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 is a child introduced to this program so there's a lot of advertising within the community so for example i'm in kingston and in kingston um what you'll see are signs for head start and like for kids ages three to five so the parents would come in or the parents in the community would come in and what they do is they have to apply to the program and it's they have to be financially qualified. So it, it it's basically um, low-income families. So meaning like oh, if they goodness. make over a certain amount of money, they're not going to qualify for the program because they're making too much money according to the federal government. And so it's for those low-income families and children that they're trying to get into the whole training of school before they go into the regular school district. and it's a free program for those children. So these are kids that um, wouldn't be in a program, like a regular daycare program, because they have to pay for it at three, four, and five. So this program allows kids as young as three to, to come into the program and start getting school ready. It's all about school readiness, being ready for school, being ready for sitting and at a table for a certain amount of time and eating breakfast and going to greeting time and listening to a story, going outside and playing and socializing, learning and building that base foundation of socializing and how to play and interact with other kids. Like instead of grabbing toys and taking what they want, using their words is a very big thing. Like, um, oh, I want to play with that. And then if someone's playing with it, teaching the child how to say oh, well i'm playing with this now but when i'm done with it i'll give it to you later versus like just grabbing the toy and getting upset so it's it's formulating them in terms of like how to interact with other peers their own peers three four and five year olds their other friends in the classroom so is this open to all children or is the financial parameters is that the only qualifier are there other qualifiers? Like, do you have to be, you know, a child that is struggling or do you, you know, to, a, to become acclimated or can you, can anyone join as long as they meet the financial requirements? Yeah. The financial requirements is, is the, the basis of it. They have to financially qualify. Like if they make over a certain amount of money, they're not going to qualify for the program. Got it. Um. So those are the families that we have. And that also, 
basically, I think because of that, that's what adds to a lot of what's going on in the program as well. Um, so you have, I think that's why like one of the struggles in the program right now, like there's a situation right now where my basis of the, like my teaching philosophy is that you are your child's first teacher. Okay? Absolutely. So children do what they see. So if the parent is coming into the program, which is a situation that we have right now, the parent's coming into the program and she's like very aggressive and very angry and very intimidating, the child is already exhibiting those signs of being very aggressive and angry with the other children. So our goal is to now, you know, we take this child in and we're trying to teach that child that that's not acceptable behavior in, in this classroom, in this setting. And this is how you deal with those feelings. You want that toy, you just don't go and grab it. You use your words. You say, oh, I want to play with that. And then the other person, the other child, we're training that other child to say, well, I'm playing with this now. When I'm done with it, I'll give it to you later. Um, but what I mean is that these are some of the issues that we're dealing with as far as like, we have parents that are coming in with their own issues that are now, you see them already, the little three-year-olds already reflecting those issues so our job in head start is to get them ready for the school system and the outside world this is not what you do in the outside world when you want something you just don't grab it and take it or you just don't steal it and take it home things like that so that's what we're trying to do like you know train them for the outside world at the same time dealing with parents who their philosophy is i just need a place to drop off my kid from 8 45 to 2 40 like this I is don't. not a daycare yeah, so they and it's it's more it is childcare, but it's it's more like uh, childcare plus learning because preparation. Yeah, because definitely three, definitely at three years old, even before three, like in the womb, like you can be reading to your child while your child is in the womb. So meaning, like once they're three, definitely that is that the age of when children should definitely start that learning environment as far as you know learning the days of the week, the calendar, and and the routines in a classroom, things like that. So that's what this program is doing. But you have one or two, whatever, parents that feel like they don't wanna, they don't wanna be a part of their child's learning environment, meaning like they just wanna drop them off and pick them up. Like they don't wanna be a part of parent-teacher conferences. They don't wanna be a part of home visits. They don't want any of that. They just want a place, to drop off their child and then pick them up at the end, at the end of the day like they don't want to be involved. And so that's one of the things that I feel like to for a child to be successful um everyone needs to be on board, everyone needs to be on the same page like the parent, the teacher and the child we all need to work together to help that child be his best person. So those are some of the challenges that we're facing right now. No, I get that. I I hear that and it kind of like bugs me out a little bit because I know raising my kids, that's one of the things I looked forward to. I actually liked going to the parent teachers conference because I'll be like, if my son or daughter weren't doing the right thing and the teacher told me and I give them the look and they're like, oh, dang, you know what I mean? They know they're in trouble or if they're doing the right things, you know, to see the smile on their face. Because it's also good for the, for the student mm -hmm. to hear the teacher say nice things about you to your parents because it may if it feels good like oh okay you know my yeah. teacher does like me my teacher does believe in me that's kind of cool mm -hmm. so like i i, I kind of and i used to like 
work in Manhattan. I worked like two hours away from where the schools were because the schools were up up by me in Rockland. So I used to like leave work early just so I could be there. I didn't make every single one, but you know, the ones that I could go to, I was there. Mm-hmm. So it, it kind of bugs me out. So, but I kind of have like mixed emotions about it because I hear that, but then I wonder if, you know, I'm sure there's parents that just don't want to be involved, but I'm sure there's a, maybe there's parents that they can't be involved because of financial reasons. Like maybe they're working all night. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know, but it's like, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting because becoming a parent is probably the most important, biggest responsibility you'll ever have in your life. I tell people that all the time. That's like my greatest accomplishment, my kids, mm-hmm. you know, cause they have, they've been everything, you know, no matter what happens in life, those are the people that will love you and see the greatness in you and, and will push you to be the best you can be because they believe in you. You know, children are amazing, you know? So when I hear stuff like that, it makes me a little, feel a little sad. You know what I mean? Cause they don't, I don't think they realize what they may be missing out or maybe they do. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely understand meaning, um, the, in the previous year, I did have a parent that felt like, I've had instances where there are parents that they're just not a part of the process. Like we have parent-teacher conferences and we have um, home visits and like they don't want you in their home. They don't want, they don't attend the parent-teacher conferences. Like, and in one instance, I have a, I had a parent who told me basically like, as far as she sees it, that's our job. Like she just, takes him there to school and we need to do what we need to do with them. And that's it. Like she just cannot be involved with helping him with homework and and stuff like that. Like that's what she sends him to school for. That's our job to educate them. And that's what we need to do. And that's what she's doing because she's working. Mm. As you mentioned, she's working and she doesn't have time for that. So um, in another instance this year, we have a parent who has not been approachable. She's just not open to parent-teacher conferences or home visits within the home or outside of the home. She's very much just, he's here, I'm picking him up, dropping him off. And that just makes it difficult when you have a child that's having difficulties in the classroom to begin with as far as behavior and other issues. When you can't work with that parent to help with the child, like, that's why I feel it's so important that everyone needs to be on the same page. We all need to be at the table. And that's what makes, village. yes. So that's what makes for success. Um, that's very important for the child to see that the parents are part of the process, for the teachers to know, hey, this parent really cares about their child. And, you know, what can we do? And let's work together. And that's really important. So I'm going mm-hmm. to tell you really quick. You just reminded me of a memory. So I remember... Um, I went to, my son was in this like ID tech camp program where like they created video games and stuff like that. And he was graduating from the program. For some reason, this one stays with me. He was graduating from the program and everyone was, um, he was there, he was coming outside and I had to like do some work. And then after work, like I headed over there. Right. But you know, I was in route and I, I got there in time, right? But he didn't know I was there yet. So he came out and he was like, everybody was like, you know, all the kids were lined up. 
and that I still remember to this day. When he looked to the right and he saw me there, his face just lit up. The happiness, the it means so much to them. Like, oh, cool, my dad's here. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, he made it. You know, he got out of work. You know what I mean? And that, it means everything to a kid. It means everything to a kid. Um, my grandson, Evan, just became a titan in the Kid Strong program that he's in. And, you know, his dad was there with me, and we we're watching him. And when he sees his dad sitting there, like, you can see it. He starts working out harder. He just, it, it it's it's an impact on the child that it's hard to explain, but I think every kid understands exactly what I'm talking about. Right, definitely. You know? Yeah. And of course, I mean, not everyone is in the ideal situation of of having, um, you know, both parents there. But if you have even that one parent that shows that interest, Absolutely. that goes a long way because that's what we deal with. That is the type of... Um, community that we work within. Um, we have single parent moms, we have dual families, um, different types of family situations. But it's I just feel like it's really important, you know, for the child and for us within the school to see that interest as well. And that really helps and it goes a long way. So when that's not there, it's disheartening and um, it makes what we do challenging when even the mom is like, or dad is like not trying to help with this issue over here in the classroom. Yeah, because it's like, um, I think it's Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton is, um, you know, from Batman. He had um, he had an interview once and he told, he said in the interview, he was like, man, it's not an exact quote, but he said, man, spend time with your kids. It's the most rewarding thing you'll ever do in your life. Even if you got to lose a job, even if you got to lose a friend, be with your kids because it's something that is, it's the most amazing and rewarding experience that you could ever have. Mm -hmm. Because when you're with your kid, you're with the most genuine person in your life. Right. 100% love you. They get mad at you. You know, they argue with you like all kids, but there's nothing like the love of a child. You right. Know? And there's also nothing like the love of a parent. Absolutely. So that is crucial. Um, but basically, you know, these families that we work with are definitely um, struggling financially. They have um, other issues. There's domestic issues, things that are going on. So the kids that come into the program, that's why I mentioned they have trauma. So there's trauma that they've seen at home. Um or trauma that they're currently dealing with. So that's why, you know, we understand within our school community why some of these children are acting out the way they're acting out as young as three, four, and five. But once again, we need to help them regulate their feelings and their emotions. I know you're angry. Why are you angry? What can we do if you're angry? Is throwing a shoe across the room a good idea? No. You can take this ball and you can squish it. We try to um, teach them different ways of channeling that energy and those frustrations that they come into school with. Um, and that is very important for our program. As far as we're concerned, if you don't have that under control, as far as if you're not dealing with the social emotional issues, you're not going to be able to teach them their A, B, and Cs, for example. Like that is, that's key. So their social and emotional um levels is key is you know a, a lot of that 
to your point is if there's a domestic situation or there's anything like that, a lot of that is learned behavior Mm -hmm. because your kids watch everything that you're doing. You know, they watch our every move. They watch how we handle situations, how we speak to people, how we react to things and they emulate because, you know, as a parent, you're the role model. Mm -hmm. So it's like, I don't, the reason I keep bringing that up is because I want parents to understand that you have to be involved. You you don't have a choice. You have to be because you're the number one influence, you mm-hmm. know. And definitely, and that's why you are your child's first teacher. Absolutely. Whereas, you know, some parents, like that one parent that I had last year or the year before, her attitude was like, that's your job. Like, I just... That's I drop them off here. I do my job, and this is what you need to do. So yeah, but that's not very helpful. <laughs> so let me ask you a question. <laughs> Let's shift gears a little. So, <laughs> so why did you decide to become a teacher? Because you were teaching in the public school system first, right? So can you tell us a little bit about some of the schools you taught at, and um, and what motivated you as a young lady to say, you know what, I want to teach. So before I started teaching, um, I was working at a place called Caballero Spanish Media. Okay. And I was an account executive. And so my job was to um, get um, commercials onto these radio stations. So what would happen is um, it got to a point where the managers of the radio stations would get upset if I didn't get them the commercials um, from clients such as, for example, MCI, etc., um, and I started realizing that sales is definitely not my thing. Um, I went to school to study broadcast journalism. Um, went to NYU, graduated with a bachelor's in with a bachelor's in broadcast journalism, and That's super impressive, by the way. Thank you. And so my initial goal was to be a reporter and to be on TV and to one day have my own television show. Um, so I graduated. I started out as a production assistant trainee at um, Good Day New York, the Fox 5 Good Day New York show. Amazing. Thank you. Um, and then after six months, got promoted to a production assistant. Um, I was living at home and I realized I wanted to get my own place. Making $7 an hour as a production assist- assistant at Fox 5 Good Day New York back then was not going to give me my rent money. Right. So what happened was reality set in that if I wanted my own place, I needed to make money, enough money to be able to pay rent. So that's why I decided to go work for Caballero Spanish Media as an account executive. I was actually making more. I was making a decent salary back then to for me to be able to afford paying my own rent in a studio apartment at Pelham Bay in the Bronx. Um, so that's why I left Good Day New York, um, the Fox 5 Good Day New York show. And I was working as the account executive at Caballero Spanish Media. Um, but then I was doing that for a couple of years. And then I started thinking about the fact that I didn't like when the managers at the radio stations would get upset when I didn't get them all the commercials that they wanted from like a big client like MCI or et cetera. Um, so I started thinking, and my mom was a paraprofessional at the time, and she told me about going into teaching and i did some research and i said "Hmm, this looks like something i could probably be good at i'm creative and i like studying and reading so i'm gonna do this so i started going on interviews to be a teacher 
the last interview that I went on, they clearly told me, how can we put you in the classroom? You have absolutely no experience. If you're really serious about this, go to school, go get your master's. Right. I was like, okay, that was definitely the fire under my bottom to go out there and actually be serious about them, show them that I was really serious about wanting to become a teacher. So um, my first interview was at PS76 with the principal, Frank Pagliata, something to that effect, if I'm remembering correctly. And I interviewed with him. They were looking for a third grade dual language teacher. And I said, I'm really serious about this. I'm starting classes at Lehman in September, and I'm going to be getting my master's degree in elementary education. And he's like, okay, great. So I got hired. And so when I went back to Caballero Spanish Media and told them that I was resigning, I was changing my whole life. Like I was going back to school. I'm going to get a master's in elementary education. Good for you. Yeah, thank you. And they were like, wow, you're like really making a change. Like you're not just leaving for like another job. You're like making a whole life career change here. I'm like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. I never imagined that I was going to go back to school and get my master's. It took a couple of years, um, but that's what I did. So I started out in the public schools in the Bronx. And um, back then I went to different schools because um at the end of the year like it depends on where they needed me so i started out at ps76 and then after ps76 i probably went to ps103 to 103 went to ps105 so i went i worked in a lot of different schools in the bronx eventually um i did get married in 2002 congratulations thank you um so i had um my baby we were in pelham in the bronx and it got to a point where I wanted to move up, I guess, upstate into the suburbs, whatever, have my own home and all that. Um, so we, I was commuting from the, I moved up to Poughkeepsie. So I was commuting from the Bronx um, to Poughkeepsie. Um, still working in the Bronx, but wow. up in Poughkeepsie. That's, a, that's quite a commute. Yeah, and I was doing that for a while. And I definitely don't recommend it. I mean, I was falling asleep at the wheel like Yikes. Going home, it's very exhausting. Then 2005, I was expecting with my daughter. And um, I was still doing that drive. Um, but finally, um, I got a call one night from my cousin. And she said they were looking for a teacher at Temple Hill Academy in Newburgh. Okay. So that's where I interviewed for Newburgh. And that's how I made the transition like upstate. Um, to teaching upstate. So I was at the Newburgh schools for a bit. And then um, I substituted after that. And then that's when, since 2020, since the pandemic, literally, is when I've been at the Head Start program that I'm at now. So I've been teaching since COVID at this school um, or facility. So wait, uh, I, I have a question for <laughs> you. Yes. So, and... I'm going to take you back to the beginning a little bit, but so you wanted to have your own talk show? Oh, yeah. When I was, yeah, what do you want to be when you grow up? When I was in high school, the one club I was in was the high school, the newspaper club. Okay. So um, I wrote, I interviewed like the school principal. I don't remember who else, but that's all I did in high school. But my dream when I was in high school, what do you want to be when you grow up? I want to be a television reporter reporter i wanted to 
eventually have my own show for some reason. That's awesome. I, I love know. that. I love that. Um, my my nephew, um, <laughs> if I'm not mistaken, has his master's degree in journalism. That's something, oh okay. That's something that he um he's pursuing as well. Um, so well, that that's really interesting because because I'm li I'm listening to what you're saying. And for you, as a, how old were you, first of all, when you made that decision to say, you know what, this is not for me. Mm -hmm. I want to teach. How old were you at that time, if you remember? It was in my 20s. I mean, 27, 26, something along so those lines. So you were young. So, my 20s. So for a young person, 26, 27 years old, to make such a big decision, mm. that took a lot of courage. You know, and for you to know what you wanted to do and go for it like that, that's super impressive. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I think a lot of people, they don't know what they want to do. There's people that are like in their 40s and they don't know what they want to do. Mm -hmm. So for you to be 26, 27 and say, you know what, this is not for me. I'm going to do this. And you said you were making more money in the, the radio show, if I'm not mistaken, right? No. What happened was when I was a, when I, got promoted to production assistant. That's where you were making more money. No, I was actually making more money when I went to Caballero Spanish Media as the account executive. Okay. And sales for radio stations. We represented it. We represented all these radio stations like in Florida and Texas. I and see. in sales, that's where I was making more money versus at the Good Day New York show where I was a production assist assistant behind the scenes. Um I was not making, starting out, and that's the thing with broadcast journalism is that, or reporting or breaking into that industry is that in the beginning, you have to like go really far and work at a small radio station or, or TV station and gain all that experience and then come back into like New York or, what, or whatever. And but, but I mean, still in yet, you know, at that point in your career, you were making good money and you still, this, you still knew that that wasn't for you, that you wanted to do something else. And I think that that just takes a lot of courage. It takes a, and so I think you need to, you know, be proud of your younger self for that because mm -hmm. not everybody has that courage, you know? Mm -hmm. And I know the industry, I know the industry that you're talking about because, you know, I was the finance guy at a lot of agencies and I dealt with the buyers and I know how hard that job is. You know, one radio station is mad at you because the other radio station got it and you they wanted it. And, you know, I actually have a very good friend of mine um, who did that for a, for a while. Um, and it's not easy. That's a tough job. And you got to be really smart. That job is takes a lot a, a lot of thinking a lot of figuring out a lot of negotiating so you know respect because for you to be in that career to be doing well and then to say eh, it's not what i want and go for your dreams and go for what you want that's i think that's inspiring for a lot of people you know because mm -hmm. you know I, I tell my son that i go yo man you're in a really good position he's like why i'm like because you can go out there, try different things, and if it doesn't work out, I got you. Try something else. Do so you find what you want? You know what I mean? And I think that I think that I have a lot of respect for that. When people have courage like that.
I think um, I just want to add to that. The key also, too, was I wanted to be happy. And I knew I wasn't happy. Yes. So I didn't want to continue not being happy. And that's something that's very important to me is being happy. You want to be somewhere where you're happy. You don't want to be sad. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to be stressed out every day. You don't want to be a Monday morning. You don't want to be like. <sighs> right. And when you're at that point where you're dreading Monday morning or every day that you go in, you know that you're in a place where you're not happy. This is not your best place right now this is not your best spot so you know like you need to keep looking and i also did research like i looked into it i was like and i thought about i didn't just jump into going back to school and getting my master's i i did some research and it looked like this was something that i could probably do and i would probably be good at one of the key things about it is that i love learning i love reading so and i'm very open-minded i'm very flexible like i like learning about everything so that's really important when it comes to education and learning too and school and that's why sometimes school is so hard for people because it's not that school isn't for everyone it's just that you really want you really need to want to learn about things and want to um reading is is important um you read and you learn you learn to read things like that so those are things that are innate about me, like that I just gravitate to. I read everything and anything. Like I'm looking at that little black cup there. I'm trying to figure out what, what it says there. So I'm a reader, like I'm a natural reader. So I'm just interested in life and everything. And and that's and that's good. That's good for your mind as well. You know, like I, I, I've said this on previous shows, like you want to always be in a constant state of learning mm -hmm. because you want to be firing off those neurons in your brain because you want to keep your brain going, keep your brain working. When you're not learning and you're not growing, that's when, when you grow older, you know, when people start hitting their 80s and their 90s or whatever, they they get the dementia because they're, they're not using their, you got to use your brain. And what's good about it, I, I joke about this a lot, is that I say, one thing I like about this podcast is that it's something I can do. I could be 85 years old and still doing these shows. You know what I mean? So it's like, so it's it's something that challenges you, you and you're constantly learning. And kids these days, they don't even have to read. They got YouTube. Mm -hmm. Any, you know, YouTube will teach you anything you want to know, you know? And you want to learn about life. You want to learn philosophy. You want to learn religion. You want <laughs> YouTube has everything. Yeah, it's easy to just like look up a video and just watch it. And the thing with reading is like with my kids or like um, or with anyone, I'll say like read about like what you want to learn about or what you're interested in. Yes. So that helps. Like if you don't like to read, well, then read. Do you like basketball? Then read books about basketball. Right. So that helps, too. You have to be interested in what you're doing. S speaking of reading, um, Marisol's here with her daughter, by the way. So when you guys both leave. I'm going to um, give you both copies of Marquise's book. Oh, okay. So, Great. So Thank give you. it a read. Yes. yes. No, for sure. Okay. So let me ask you this question. So as a teacher, you know, you were, you were telling us a little bit about dealing with, you know, parents that are maybe not involved or, you know, I'm sure at times that in itself can become a very stressful situation. So how do you cope with that stress? What are some of your ways of coming down from a very crazy day well i do a lot of um praying meditating 
um, listening to nice, relaxing music. Yes. Um, I get my rest as much as possible. I definitely sleep as much as possible on the weekends. Um, because that's the other thing too, that, um, if you're not well rested and well energized to deal with three, four and five year olds all day, um, that could wear and tear on you. So that's key. Um, take a deep breath. I learned a lot just from teaching my own kids. Um, like when they're stressed out and angry and frustrated, we teach them how to breathe and how to, um, blow out the candle and smell the flowers. Um, so those are different things that even as adults, we need to make sure that we're doing and it's all about self-care. Like they are they are very big on us taking care of ourselves as educators because they know that, you know, working with these little ones can be very stressful. Plus, you know, the adults that we deal with at times and their attitudes for some odd reason just dropping off their child or picking up their child or not wanting to comply with the certain rules and regulations that we have in place at the school um, can be very stressful. So you need to be very um, calm and relaxed when you're dealing with everyone. And so decompressing through the day, I myself, like when they have nap time, we put in these great um cds relaxing cds so we make sure like throughout the day that we take our breaks we go for our lunch um and that helps us throughout the day as well but just at home at the end of the day i look forward to my big cup of dunkin donuts coffee nice at the end of the day i'm like oh i can't wait till i go through that drive through and get my big cup of dunkin donuts coffee and unfortunately some donuts too <laughs> So wait, 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 let's get into are we talking Boston creams, we're talking jelly donuts, we're talking glaze. What are we talking about here? <laughs> the flavor of the month. So like the <laughs> classic donut, the chocolate cover with the sprinkles is my daughter's favorite. Oh, that's a good one. And then um like this month's flavor is the what butter pecan donut. Wait, so, so Dunkin' Donuts has a flavor of the not month? Not every month, but like for the season. Oh, I didn't know that. Because whenever yeah. I buy a donut, I'm like, yeah, let me get a Boston cream. <laughs> no, I just do whatever's like trending for the month on the board. So are any of them disappointing or are they all good? No, they're all good. <laughs> and that's, yeah. So, I mean, there's no um, shortage of food at the end of the day or whatever. Anyway, that's a whole other topic. That, that would be like a whole other I'm, health and fitness thing. Okay. That we don't want to. Hey, there's nothing wrong with, <laughs> there's nothing wrong with a donut. Nothing wrong with that. You know, every day you gotta treat yourself okay. every once in a while you know what i mean like every like, day one donut not a big deal okay all right so so see so let's ask this next question so what is your philosophy what is your teaching philosophy yeah and that's definitely something that everyone wants to know um i for some odd reason when you ask that question i don't know if it's a trigger or not but I very clearly think back to the um, director of um, education at the Newburgh Large City School District when she asked me that same question over the phone, what is your philosophy on education? And basically, you know, my philosophy is that um, you are your child's first teacher, number one. Yes. Um, and we all need to work together for what's in the best interest of the child always. Um 
It's very important for like, you know, the family to be a part of the process, the school and the child and for the child to see that everyone's a part of the process. Um, and education and learning is lifelong. It never stops. As a teacher, educator, you never stop learning. Like I said, I learn every day working with my kids. And um, you have to be very open to change and curriculums and implementing them, whether or not you um, agree with all the parts of it. Um, for example, you have to see what is going to work for your child in your classroom. Um, but basically, it, there's a foundation uh, that's needed in terms of like respect, like parents need to respect like the teachers that are with their children throughout the day. Um, children need to respect the teachers and there needs to be a foundation of respect as well. Um, but just basically learning is lifelong and it never stops. Um, but we need to definitely be our children's first teachers. Like, I think that's a great philosophy. Thank you. So how do you incorporate social emotional learning in your lessons? So social emotional learning is key. Um, so, um, basically we have what's called a cozy corner area. Okay. And there we have all sorts of sensory toys, like they're like things that the kids can turn and watch the balls go up and down the tube. Um, we have squishy jelly type um, squares and shapes um, that the kids can manipulate with their hands, like to squeeze. It's kind of like um, those balls that they have. Stress balls. The stress balls, exactly. So the kids are stressed. And um, like I said, they come from stressful environments at home, trauma at home. So we have an area in the classroom when they start getting angry or they feel upset or they can go over to that area and play with those toys and squeeze this ball. And we tell them, I know you're feeling really angry. So what can we do? Let's take these balls and squeeze them really tight, really tight and get that all out of you. So we learn to teach, we teach them strategies on how to deal with their feelings and emotions and throughout the day we ask them at breakfast time lunch time um small group time we ask them throughout the day how are you feeling why are you feeling that way and we talk about their feelings and emotions so that's that's key that social emotional is key and it's it's a huge part of the program helping the children learn how to cope with that well let me say this mm -hmm. i want to Give a shout out to teachers because I don't think anybody really realizes, well, some people do, but a lot of people don't realize how hard that job is. Mm -hmm. Teaching is no joke. You know what I mean? Um, I My son has um, high-functioning high autism. Mm -hmm. So he has like the autism that you wouldn't really know, you know, until maybe you had a conversation with him and then you you'll, you'll see it, but it's like very subtle. And because um, he's high functioning. Um, but when he was a kid, he had a hard time with transitions. Mm -hmm. So transitioning from, you know, home to school, from one subject to another subject. And I remember, um, and it's funny because he's come so far, like this is not even a thing anymore for him. He's doing so well. But when he was a kid, um, if he was playing a video game, for example, and he's playing the video game. And let's say I want him to shut off the game because I want him to come eat or something like that. If I go into his room 
and I just shut off the game and I say, let's go time to eat for him. That's the equivalent of a bomb going off underneath him and him falling in the ground. It's like, I took the, I took the rug underneath him and I just pulled it. Like he, he freaks, he would freak out. You know what I mean? But if I go to him and I say, uh, Marquise, 10 minutes dinner, he'll be like, okay, no problem. I don't even have to remind him in 10 minutes. He's at the table. He's smiling. He's happy. You know what I mean? He, that transition. So when you talk about social emotional learning, I, I think of the teachers that had him in their class and like, maybe, you know, there were days when he had rough days. There were days when he had many meltdowns because the transition was hard for him and they were there for him. They were like comforting him and getting him through that. And, you know, and, you know, that wasn't their son, you know what I mean? But they treated him with so much love. And that's something that I'll never forget. And now he's like superhero, you know what I mean? And it's like, you wouldn't even know, you know? And it's like, and that's a, that's a testament to teachers. And I, I think that, and I have a lot of friends that are teachers as well. So shout out to all the teachers out there. I know you guys don't get the appreciation you deserve. Definitely. Sure. Thank you. Well, in terms of transitions, yes, that is a very big um, thing as far as um, that, that is what we deal with, like helping children transition through different parts of the day. So that's why like the program that we have, like we start off with breakfast and greeting time and outside time. Those are all transition. There's like 10, 11 different transitions throughout the day where they're eating breakfast. Now you have to stop and go over to greeting time, to the message board. So those issues, like, for example, we use like timers. So like what you were explaining about, like you would tell your son in 10 minutes, dinner, exactly. Yeah. Give them warning. So we have like timers of five minute, a three minute, a one minute. So you have to give them that, that countdown. So if it's five minutes for cleanup time, okay, boys and girls, it's five, in five minutes, it'll be time to clean up. So we know we have a couple of kids that have a hard time with stopping what they're doing, their artwork or their painting or drawing. We'll go over with the timer and, and put the timer and say, okay, in five minutes, it's going to be time to clean up. So when the sand finishes going through there, that means it's going to it's gonna be time to clean up. So I have this one, one child, he's like, I heard you. Like he knows, like I know in five minutes. So yes, those are things that do help um, all types uh, of children with transitioning. So everyone would benefits from those verbal warnings or, you know, timers yeah. yeah so we use that a lot as well so that does cause issues yeah i mean even me like if, if i'm doing something and somebody's like yo now i'm like okay. <laughs> yeah mm -hmm. you know so no i get that right it's not what you say it's how you say it absolutely and that is a, a very big deal because um we're not allowed to say no stop and don't to our children to our mm. kids um we can't shush them these are things that we're not allowed. We can't threaten them. Like, I'm going to call your mom if you don't, I don't know, stop throwing that ball or something, for example. So the, our curriculum is very. Um, so what can you do? What, <laughs> what, what can you do if, if a kid is if not listening? Right. If you can't say no, stop and don't, it's it's OK. Um, I'm you have to be very direct with them. Like, OK, first you're going to wash your hands and then you're going to play with that toy first then or if 
in three minutes, when the timer's done, we're going to walk over to the house area. And if you don't walk by yourself, I will have to help you. Okay, three minutes have passed. I'm going to help you to the house area now. So it's dealing with them like that. Because a lot of times, yeah, throughout the day, the teacher aides, the teacher assistant, they do get frustrated. No, don't climb up on the cabinet, um, things like that. But that is not how the program goes. We're... It's like, it, it's not what they're used to hearing at home. We have to teach them a different way. We have to go about it in a direct, firm, yet not screaming, yelling at them, threatening way. Right. So that's very key in our program. Very important um, to I be like it. that. Love Ooh. it. Love it. No, that's, that's, that's impressive. I mean, do you ever have to like advocate for kids? You ever have? Do you ever find yourself in a situation where you have to advocate for a child, or maybe to help a child that needs to get classified, or do you get involved in that at all? Well, what we've had to do is like if we've had we have a couple of kids that are now receiving um, like extra social emotional support, like they have someone that comes in once a week and works with them one on one throughout the day for like an hour a piece, transitioning throughout the day, or if they're having a meltdown because someone is playing with something and they don't the other child doesn't want to give it to them so they're now you know crying so they have like this specialist that comes behavior specialist that comes in and she works with them on how to deal with this issue what can we do okay let's blow out the candle let's smell the flowers let's breathe um and she'll work with that child one-on-one um for like an hour so the reason that person's in our classroom now is because we, in the beginning of the year, we saw, we noticed who those kids were that were having, you know, social, emotional issues to a certain extent, and we had to refer them. So we filled out the form and, and said, what were some things we noticed? Well, they were throwing things, um, not being safe in the classroom, and this is what happens at transitions. So that person, she's the mental health consultant, and so she um, now comes in and works with those kids. But yeah, if we see kids that are having issues like that, we def- we refer them. It's a, there's a referral process. And so that's how they get the extra support that they need in our school. No, I think I think that's important. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Yeah, because I remember when, um, like with my son, my son was never a behavioral issue. He was always a sweetheart, nicest kid in the world, right? But, you know, he, like I was telling you before, he had struggled with transition. Mm-hmm. So, and I remember when we used to, we had to go to meetings to advocate for him to get classified, you know, so he can get, you know, the help that he needs, maybe an extra teacher in the room, mm-hmm. you know, and the teachers were just amazing. You would go into these rooms and the teachers would fight with you. They would help you and, you know, and advocate for you. And it, it was I'll never forget that. And um, and I just look at him today, like he's just like amazing. He's so cool. You know, he's like he's my best friend. You know what I mean? Him and my daughter, they're both my best friends, right? But it's like they um, they're just amazing, amazing kids. So, and I and a lot of that has to go to teachers. You know what I mean? Because he, my kids have been both, you know, blessed with some really great teachers. You know, so 
Yeah, no, no, for sure. That's awesome. And one thing I want to say about advocating, another important thing is to help your children learn to be their own advocates. So yeah. as, as they get older, I mean, I have three, four, and five-year-olds, and I have this one, actually, or, or autistic child. Um, he's three, and he, he, does, he knows no, that's for sure, but he doesn't really say any other words, but he understands a whole lot. Um, and there's times like just recently, um, the director was saying how we have to like, like this one child, like he like took the placemat from the other kid next to him and like threw away his stuff. And the teacher, uh, the director was explaining how we have to like explain to that child. Oh, well, he, he was probably trying to help you. Um, but we have to teach that other child how to advocate for himself, meaning saying like, oh, I'm not done with that yet. Don't take it. Like, so right. this is why a big thing is helping kids learn how to use their words versus throwing things or hitting people or, or scratching and biting and all that, helping them use their words, advocating for themselves. So this is something that we're also teaching our kids to do as early as three. And then later on, as they get older in high school, et cetera, they learn how to do for themselves as well in school. So all that is important, Every you know, even instilling that in kids at an early age of advocating for themselves, saying, no, I don't like that. Please don't touch me or don't push me, meaning like the other kids, if they're like playing with their hair or doing something that they don't want them to do, teaching kids how to tell other kids, I don't like that. Don't do that. So that's- Stand up for yourself. Yeah. That's key. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's important, especially when you go into the real world, you got to know how to stand up for yourself and you got to know how to stand up for yourself- um, without emotion. Mm -hmm. I, was, I was talking about this with a friend of mine the other day. You, you always have to be the most calm person in every room, mm -hmm. no matter what. You know what I mean? And you can handle. You can be strong. You can be firm. You can stand for stand up for yourself, hold boundaries. But you have to be the most calm person in the room. And there's just something about that when you can control yourself and have that discipline. So it starts at a very young age, you know, to to learn to say, nah. You're not going to push me. No. Stop playing with my hair. It's not cool. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. And setting setting those boundaries. So it's like, I like when teachers do those things and they teach them those things because that's something that's going to be with them for their whole life. Right. And that's the key that we set those foundational skills. Yeah. We start with those foundational skills. Um, that's in interesting that you say about like being calm. Because mm -hmm. something that I've noticed, like where I'm at, I've noticed like... Um, like I said, the job obviously could be very stressful and and all of that. Um, but I've seen times where even the educators are emotional, meaning like I've seen them like break down in meetings, like crying. And I'm like, okay, this is a very, <laughs> this, this is a awesome. very, emo yeah. <laughs> this is a very, I mean, we just had a recent meeting and I had like my teacher assistant and the teacher aide, they're like, crying because just how like stressful it is working with these three, four and five year olds with behavior issues and like, um, you know, sometimes not listening. So, um, and I'm like, that's interesting because, um, I just feel like it's almost like that slogan, never let them see you sweat. Yeah. Like, I feel like 
you know, if the child's emotional and the teacher's emotional, that's just a whole lot of emotion. Yeah. Like you need to really be strong. Somebody needs so, to be the foundational yeah. strength in the in the interaction. Yeah. yeah. And then I feel like then like I notice like I feel like then those women are the ones that get the more attention. Like, is everything okay? Are you you are you doing okay? You know, and I'm like, I don't know. I just feel like I really definitely need to be calm and just be as the lead teacher in the classroom, that is, I'm the lead teacher in the classroom, so I definitely need to lead. And so, you know, I always just do my best to keep my composure. I just feel like I don't want to get to that point. And if I get to that point in in a meeting, then I'm definitely going to be at that point where I'm I'm obviously not happy. I'm crying here at a meeting, and I'm going to have to look for my next exit strategy. I'm right. going to be at that point that I was at twenty something. This, this chapter know. of my life. Yeah, like you know. Yeah. So um, I'm definitely keeping my composure. Um, it's important. Yeah, that's like that's my number one rule. I mean, like even as you know, even if if I go to the store and somebody's rude, or if anything, I'm definitely a person that will always shut something down but i'm also very 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 calm i always stay calm like that's it's my number one rule because the minute you're emotional that's when situations don't don't work out for you you got to keep you got to keep your stuff together you got to stay calm yeah so important i think that's important and i think it's important that people see that because i i personally when i see that i'm like hmm okay so i have a really good strategy that i that i've that i learned like when my kids were in school and i and i try implementing or sharing it's called wits do you know what that stands for wits wits like Like when you're whenever you're having any any type of a problem wits her daughter's laughing right now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. it's walk away walk away ignore ignore talk it out talk it out seek help okay say so it, and say it one more time wits no, but say use them. your wits break it down again walk away ignore talk it out seek help it's just a, a strategy I like for dealing that. with issues whether it's bullying or or anything that's happening you know anywhere whether it's bullying in school bullying at work um, and that happens too. People mm-hmm. get bullied at work. Yes. I mean, there's a there's just n- you know, no matter what situation in you in life, you're gonna come across people that you know. Sorry to say, but people that just don't know how to act. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you have to maintain your who you are. Mm-hmm. Never let anyone take you outside of yourself. You know what I mean? Because once you let someone take you outside of yourself, they gain control of the interaction but if you maintain who you are and you stay and i think i think family members have told me this people that i'm cool with people that i've spent time with they tell me they're like you're very good at that like you you're always calm you're always like you don't get you don't you don't get you don't let people stress you out you know what i mean and that doesn't mean though that you know sometimes i don't come home and i'm like oh man that sucked you know what i mean but you know, but I, if I do that, it's me by myself, or maybe I'm talking to my son and my, I'm like, yo, today sucked, bro. He's like, we're really, we'll just talk about it. You know what I mean? But it's like, but you, you always have to stay calm because in my mind, you know, 
the like for example, I'll give you a good example real quick. I remember when I was young and I was driving my car and I was still a new driver. I really didn't know how to drive. Not that young because I learned to I learned to drive late in life, right? Because I was, I was a Bronx boy, I didn't need to know how to drive. Mm-hmm. I learned when I learned when I when I needed to learn. But I remember I was driving and I kind of like I did a turn on the car, but the turn I came close to another car was was brand new drive, right? Nothing happened. Everybody was fine, but in the whole thing, I was just so calm. Like I didn't react, I didn't panic. I was just very calm. And like there are times where I'm driving in the snow mm-hmm. and the car, back of the car is sliding. I'm just so calm. You would look at me and be like, yo, he's so calm right now. Inside, I'm like, oh no, right? But 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 I'm controlling it. Because in my mind, I know the minute I panic, the minute I react emotionally. I'm putting myself in danger and I'm putting everybody else in that car in danger in, you know, in a meeting. I'm, I, if I react without control, I may make my team look bad. So I, that's what I have in my head. It's more dangerous. You're, you're, you're putting yourself in danger when you're not in control. Mm-hmm. Well, I'll tell you one thing. I do not drive in the snow. <laughs> I've drove, I've driven in snowstorms. I remember my daughter my daughter decided to go to work right before there was a blizzard coming and i told her i said don't go to work because you're gonna get stuck at work she didn't listen to me she went to work she calls me we're talking full blizzard can't even see in front of you dad can you come get me Mm. so i had to get in my car drive through this blizzard like you couldn't see it you didn't even see in front of you and I got her and I brought her back. And the whole time I'm like calm, but I'm pissed <laughs> because I'm like, if she would have just listened to me, we would have been in this situation. But if you saw me driving, I'm just very quiet and very calm because I'm in my mind is like, you need to stay calm so you, you can get home safe. You know, like that's the rule, man. Stay calm. Yeah, that's good. I mean. Like I said, you could ask my kids, like, you don't want to be with me in a car when it's snowing. It's a... Is that true? I'm crying. I'm crying. I'm like, oh, I don't want to... You know, I just... I, I don't like it. I do not... You panic? Yeah. I'm scared of the snow. I get it, because it is... It, there is a danger there, but don't panic. It's the worst thing you could do. Do your best. Yeah. Mom, you're doing great. <laughs> so, okay. So, let me ask you this. Do you guys use any technology in the classroom? Because I know when I was a kid, I remember the computers that we used. Everything was like so like behind the times. I mean, I went to Catholic school. So, you know, in Catholic school, like if the public schools were, if the world was on point A, the public schools might be like point B to A. Catholic schools were like on C in terms of technology. But um, I remember that. So I was curious, like, what's the technology like in the classrooms now? Technology is not encouraged in our classroom, meaning as far as we're concerned, they have their tablets at home and they do not come into our classroom to watch videos. 
Um, so like we have Chromebooks, the teachers have Chromebooks. Okay. So, um, we are not even allowed to show a cleanup video on our Chromebook. Really? Yeah. As far as mm, the program is concerned, we do not encourage technology as far as, um, videos. They do listen to CDs and music, like for nap time or when we get together for a large group and do songs, but there have been schools that I've worked at, like, for example, when I was um, subbing in Austining and doing like a leave replacement in Austining, those first graders had iPads because there are learning apps. There are things on the phone or even the tablets. The kids can learn ABCs and numbers. There are learning apps on these devices that you could use. Um, but... Mm, the kids aren't really doing that on their tablets at home. They're doing all sorts of other stuff. So our program just feels like we're not encouraging that. And yeah, we can't even show them like a video on our Chromebook. So the technology that gets used in our classroom is what, what we do as teachers, as far as like, you know, I sign them in, I do a daily health check. Um, they get signed out at the end of the day. During the day, I have my emails to check. Um, our Core, which is like part of the assessment program that we use. It's in the computer and the Chromebook. Um, but it's not something that these three, four, and five-year-olds are exposed to. Like I said, when I did, I vividly remember when I was um, in Austin, first graders had iPads and they had all the learning apps on the iPad. So that's public school. That was public school, but this Head Start program does not, they're not teaching them how to use computers so, or so, programs like so that what about like like covid when the whole covid shutdown happened how did you guys what did you guys do like what like yeah like what was the approach so our program was open and that's when i started in 2020 um if i'm uh -huh. mistaken that was in august i started working during in covid during covid which was kind of weird because like most of the schools were closed they were doing remote learning which is what my daughter and my son were doing um but there was one classroom in our building that was doing remote learning. So like some families, they kept their kids home and they were doing the remote learning on, on the Chromebook. So they had to have a computer at home in order to see the teacher in the classroom doing her routines on, on the Chromebook. But our building was open. Um, we were teaching in person. Um, we had to wear masks. The kids had to wear masks, which was very annoying. Because yeah. the kids, they didn't three, four, and five-year-olds did not want to wear masks. So I'm like, all day, put your mask on, put your mask on, cover your nose and mouth. I shouldn't be seeing your nose and mouth. I mean, so that was a big thing. So, um, but it was in person. The parents just couldn't come into the building. Got it. We would just sign them, out, uh, sign them in and out on the Chromebook. But now we're at a very post- covid area uh, oh, yeah. era now like masks are optional the parents are now in the classroom dropping their kids off um so things have definitely progressed um i remember when my grandson and my granddaughter they had um they were doing remote learning so they did have the tablets and they were learning and they were like the teacher would come on the tablet and they would do class that way then they would get assignments on the tablet and they would do that you know and that's how it was for a while you know, and I used to, I remember I used to have to sit with Evan, my grandson, and while he's in class, like, Evan, pay attention. Evan, teacher's talking to you. 
<laughs> and he would like pay attention and you know my my granddaughter though was like so into it and you know like killing it and just being great at school and evan's great at school too but you know he's a boy you know boys we, we at first we're like okay you know mm-hmm. but um but you know they're they're both doing good but i remember they had the remote learning and now they're back full time and it's almost like work like work i was full remote during that whole COVID time, it was beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Now we're going. Now we got to go back into the office three days a week. So oh, that's not bad. That's not bad. No, yeah. it's nice hybrid, and it's it's cool to see the coworkers and stuff like that and interact. So that's cool. Well, that whole situation eliminated a lot of the social aspect. Yeah. So that's the thing. We have. I have one three year old. She was born in twenty twenty, and um, that's the thing that a lot of these kids up until we were in person they were the covid babies covid kids like they were they were home you know all this time they didn't socialize with anyone but their parents right so what we see a lot of is like these kids that are these three four and five year olds like they gravitate like a lot to the adults in the classroom and that's why our job is to help them how to socialize how to play with other kids how to use their words because that's something that covid did like it took away that social aspect of of learning being in person with other people and you had kids at home my, my daughter was at home in her in her room learning i would go yeah. off to work and it's weird because like i would go off to work and my daughter's like in her room learning on her <laughs> chromebook why am i going to work i'm in person but you know we were, we were open my son did his senior year and his first year of college online in his room Wow. I'm like, oh my goodness, this is like incredible. But um, you know, I'm really glad we're past that. But the big thing was the whole social aspect of it, which caused, you know, a lot of um desocializing, you yeah, know, for a lot of the kids. And yeah. so that's a huge component of our program is yeah. socializing. Especially kids that need help with social skills. Right. You know, how to play and work with others, how to play and use their words. So that's what we're doing. We're we're helping them grow up into, you know, socialized children, people. <laughs> so perfect. So all right. So here's my next question. So what advice mm-hmm. what advice do you have for parents? And we kind of touched on this already, but what advice do you have for parents in terms of like homework, in terms of doing homework at home and any strategies that a, a parent could apply for like homework? Like, what do you recommend? Any ideas off the top of your head? I think the first thing that comes to mind is being a part of the process and that sometimes is really, um, you could be really successful at that depending on how um, set up like your child's school is. Like for example, in my daughter's school, like she's high school, so they have like the parent portal. And so with the parent portal, as a parent, if you are interested, you can go into the parent portal, you could see what her assignments are, what the assignments are, what's been done, what hasn't been done. And if you're that type of, I guess, helicopter parent that I've been labeled <laughs> yeah. as, helicopter parent. Yeah, um, okay. you can see, you know, what hasn't been done and you can tell your child this hasn't been done and can you do it? Um, or do you need help with it? I mean, I'm, I'm always encouraging my daughter as far as do you need help? How can I help you? And kind of um, just being a part of the process because I feel like a couple of years ago, I personally feel like 
I wondered what happened because I remember there was a time when we would get the report cards and something happened where suddenly we're not getting the report cards. I don't know if that's happened in your district or when you... When you say we, you mean... Like as parents, like there was a time when we used to get report cards, like the report cards were sent home and or mailed in the mail or something. Yeah. That hasn't been the case for years. Like for years, what happened was all of a sudden this parent portal came into existence. And now if you want to know what your child's report card is, you have to log in to the system and look at the report card. Meaning I felt like over the years, like they made it harder to be that type of parent. Like, oh, you get the report card and you can see it. No, you want to know how your child's doing. You need to go log into the system and mm. look for the report card yourself. So it, it upped the level of like your involvement as as a parent. Like it's like it's easy now. I feel like it's easy now to not know how your child's doing in school. Yeah, I I think I think some things need to stay old school. Like you know what I mean. Send the report card home. You know, it's 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 they're trying to make it easier via via technology. But but it's like I I know all kids when that report card comes home, especially they didn't do well. They're like, oh, here, you know what I mean. And I, there's something good about that. There's something I agree. They should they should stick to that. Something should stay old school. But you know what's funny is my son when he went to college, he um, you know he's a man now. So if they sent how he's doing and all that stuff, they send it to him. They're not sending it to me. He's a grown man. But you know me, I'm like, yo, how'd you do last semester, bro? Let's talk about it. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah, I find that too, like definitely like my son's in college now and I don't really know um, unless he shares with us, um, but definitely by the time I, my son got into college, I was like kind of out of the loop in that sense. Like they send emails and things like that, but that's my big thing. I love being a part of their process. Me too. Like I love being a part of their life and their education, like what's going on. I'm a very involved parent in that in that sense but with the three four and five year olds like as far as homework i mean their homework is to um go home and play and read is a big thing it's it's a big thing there's a library everywhere so like as a parent something that i did something the parents can continue doing or can do is go to your local library there's tons of books, you know, you can check out for free, bring them back. If you don't, you'll get that 10 cents fine, whatever. Yeah, the library card. Yeah, fun question. Do you remember what was your favorite book when you were a little girl? Because uh, I still remember my favorite book from when I was a little boy. My big thing is like the Little House on the Prairie books. And my big <laughs> thing was the Scholastic Flyers. So I've always been a reader meaning like when i was little i would get awards for reading like 40 50 books at a time oh really yes so i've always been a reader like i would eat those books like devour those books that's what i'm saying like that's something that i've just always been like a reader so that's probably why like i'm still just interested in reading and learning and all that you ever thought of being a book critic oh i'm mm, very good at editing um and critiquing yes um i'm a good editor like like i catch up i catch errors like on 
emails, memos, letters, things that they send. And it's really funny, like when you catch errors on things that coming that's coming from like the directors, I'm like, really, like you didn't spell check that or whatever. But um, right. an actual book critic, I'm not too sure. That I haven't like, thought. Like just Maybe. Po- like post your opinions on the book, you know, because if you read a lot, you maybe mm-hmm. you can save people some time you know oh when i was a kid you're gonna laugh at me but my favorite book when i was a kid was the outsiders by oh. s.e hinton do you remember that book yes i used to love that book and later it became a movie with like i'm dating myself because i read the book for the movie came out and it's a mad old movie mm. uh but um um matt Dillon and ralph macchio and Mm-hmm. I think it's C. Thomas Howell was in it. Like all those guys, like before they blew up, Patrick Swayze was in it before they became superstars. Mm-hmm. But it's like such Tom Cruise was in it, but nobody knew who Tom Cruise was yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and like he was just a uh, an actor up and coming. But I remember I read that book and I was like, oh, this is the greatest book. Love this book. And yeah. I when I was a little kid, they still have. I know um, in one of the school districts that I was in, I know that the kids were reading The Outsiders. And there's books that my daughter in her English class now that should be reading. And um, I just feel like, you know what, technology has taken some some yeah. of our youth away from actual books and yeah. interests. So that's why like, I always go back to that. Read what you like. Read what you're interested in just to keep up with that that reading that yeah. is really important but yeah as do far guys, as do you get like um do you get like i remember we used to get over the summer there was a list of books that we had to read over the summer do you guys still get that <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay yeah they've kind of done away with um certain things i've noticed like you know at the high school like they don't have that required reading 25 books over the summer i used to like that i mean and and don't get me wrong when i was a kid i was like i don't read all these books i'm gonna go play but it, but it's cool to have those books and then i remember we would go back to school and the teacher would be like so who read the book and if i read the book i was like i read the book what you want to know <laughs> yeah well if not you know for example for like the three four and five year olds or anyone older than that obviously the local library every summer they run a summer reading program and like they do have like um a book challenge like they'll give for example like a a little pamphlet and you can write all the 25 books you read that summer then they have like a a ceremony celebration you get an award you know at the end of the summer but those are things that i would um have my children do we would go to the library in the summers and check out books and things like that so it's it's free it's available and i definitely encourage it so all right so let me ask you a question so are there any books that um like right now if one of my followers or one of my friends people that are listening in if one of them are like oh man i'm about to go on a flight and i'm gonna go I'm going to be on this plane for I don't know how long. I need a good book. I need a good one. Is there any books that you can recommend that are really good that you've read recently? I think the books that are coming to mind right now, and they're books that I continue to go back to for whatever reason. One of them is um, Grit by Angela Duckworth. 
Okay. Um, there's also Lean In by ooh, the name is. I know sh- mm, the name is not coming to me now, but, but, it's, but it's called Lean In. Is it Cheryl Sandberg? Lean In. Yeah, Cheryl Sandberg. She's Facebook affiliated. Um, and one of my other favorites, Sonia Sotomayor's book. Um, okay. Is it My People? I forgot exactly the, the name of the title, but those are books that for some reason I, I tend to go back to. Um, just books that interest me. Grit, you know, like trying to instill in your children and in everyone that perseverance that we all need to continue thriving in life and thriving in different things. Um, that's why that that book, Grit, is like one of my favorites, just how she talks about that and how sometimes, you know, you may not have the grades for something, but if you have that perseverance, that's what gets you through. Um, lean in just about being a part, being at the at the table, at that meeting, being involved, being leaning into what's happening. And that's why like I think about like I reading and thinking about that book, like what I recently said of shared about that meeting recently, like my teacher assistant and the aide, you know, both crying and I don't think that's something that um, she would necessarily recommend. She's more like that book is more about just being a part of the process and like leaning in at those meetings and being active and um, putting your best foot forward. Um, And then just Sonia Sotomayor. I mean, I definitely like how she was raised in the Bronx. She came from the Bronx. She's a Supreme Court justice. Um, and just what an inspiring story she is in a fellow Puerto Rican. Yeah, isn't that cool? You know, so that's just a cool person, you know, one of the many cool persons that are out there. But those are the three books that come to mind for some reason. Um, so, Thank you. your favorite books? <laughs> what about you, young lady? So are you, are you reading? Her daughter's here. I'm going to put her on the mic for a minute. So tell me, so tell me what what books are you reading? So, um, I personally don't read a lot. Um, we're supposed to read for school and currently we're reading like this play called Our Town and before that it was a book called Arisen in the Sun. And personally, it's just a bunch of old stuff that I just <laughs> did not like and it was okay. like Shakespeare things too that we were reading before that and I just didn't have interest in that. But when I do read, I actually like graphic novel books. Okay. Because I feel like like those like comic books kind of too. Because basically there's pictures there and it's just interesting. Like I'm not reading a bunch of words. Like I actually see a picture and you know. Do you find that you're more of a visual learner? Yeah, definitely visual. Like there's this author named Raina Teglemeyer. I think that's how you pronounce her last name. I don't know. She made this book called Smile that like a lot of teenage girls have read. Okay. And it was really good. And the rest of her books are really good too. And yeah. Okay. Smile, you said is the name of the book. Yeah. And it teaches you how to learn visually. Is that what it does? Oh, no. It's just a graphic novel book. I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Interesting. 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 Mm-hmm. All right, all right. So let's let's go back to the next question. Um, oh, this is a good one. So, how do you assess a student's progress 
And do you think the current grade system is the right method? So we use a program called Core Advantage. Okay. The Yambu, it's called. Um, and so basically, the way we assess our three, four, and five-year-olds, it's not like we give them an ABC test on Fridays or a number test on Fridays. We assess them throughout the day. So we look to see how they interact with their peers, um, how they play outside, if they're noticing things in nature, like, oh, I see the squirrel. I wonder where the squirrel lives. And so then we rate them, their responses, like on a scale of one through five, like um, the child made a connection with the animal and like the habitat. So that would like give them a four, for example, on, on the rating system. So we basically um, just rate them as a whole child, like how we see them developing as a whole child as far as what letters they're recognizing, what numbers they're recognizing, um, how are they their, how are they playing with their peers, um, and throughout like their personal healthy behavior, like do they make healthy food choices, do they know how to wash their hands, um, and different things like that. So it's it's assessing them uh, as a whole child and throughout the day. So like what we do is we take account into things that we hear them say to their friends or to us, how they interact with the adults. Like do they, are they showing good signs of adult um, child relationships? Like are they going to the adult, like if they need help with something um, or are they solving conflicts within themselves? Like are they, are they, um, problem solving within themselves, like saying, well, I want to play with that. Well, I'll give it to you later um, when I'm done with it. Like, or are they coming to an adult all the time asking for help, you know, when they're having an issue with someone? So we assess them as a whole child, basically. I think, I think that's, that's great. Right. As opposed to just the A, B, C, D, E, you know, no, there's no E, but A, B, C, <laughs> D, F, right. Um, it's, because it's more encompassing and more seeing the child as an individual. So I think that's great. Um, and I think it's interesting what your daughter said about visual learning. Because I know every child is different. Every child has their own unique way of seeing the world. So it's like, for me personally, you know, I'll read, but I've got to be very interested in what I'm reading. You know what I mean? Like, it's got to, like, grab me. And if it grabs me, I'll, I'll read it in a day. You know what I mean? Like if it's got to grab me though, right? And I know also with me, I'm a visual learner. I'm the kind of person you could tell me something a thousand times. And I'm like, okay, but let me do it once. You let me do it once and I'll do it better than anybody's ever done it before. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm a doer. Right. Hands on. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like if I need to build something, just give me the resources and let me just do it. Leave me alone and let me rock. And I'll, I'll, I'll perfect it. You know what I mean? Like, that's just how my, how I am. That's how I, I work. You know what I mean? You could tell me about it all day and I'm like, okay, that's great. You know what I mean? But, but when you help me to like implement implementation, I think is so important, you know? Right. So that's like some of the things that we do, like with small group, like for example, when we do small group, like what we do is we give them for um, materials, different types of materials, like feathers, tissue, paper, glue sticks, pipe cleaners. And it's like, these are your materials. So do what you want with it. Create what yeah. you want, because not everyone's art is the same. 
So we give them an uh, like an opportunity for them to create their own work of art or whatever it is that they want to do. But in terms of like, everyone has their own way of learning. Like some people are auditory learners, some are visual, yeah, some are kinesthetic, like they need to move to learn um, or music. They have different ways of their best learning, like how they learn best. And so that is like, for example, with my daughter, that has always been something that I've noticed. Like she's definitely into graphic novels. It's interesting. It has pictures, less, more pictures, less words. And what happens in high school as you get older with the grades, the text that they give you, it's it's not pictures. It's not illustrated. It's, it's words. So that's where the struggle comes in. You're not interested in what you're reading. And that's where the struggle comes in. So what do you do when there's things that you have to do and you're not interested in? What are you going to do? So that's the challenge. So these are things that we need as parents, we need to help our children, you know, it's work like you, around. You got to watch them and see how they learn. Mm -hmm. It's so important. Right. Because you could have a genius, an absolute genius on your hands, but you don't think they're a genius because you're teaching them the wrong way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So that's why, you know, being that involved type of parent where, you know, you are aware of your child and how they're doing, all of that is, is important. It's like telling a lion that he's not smart because he can't fly. He's not mm -hmm. supposed to fly. That's not that's not his way. Right. You know what I mean? So it's that's how I kind of look at things. You gotta like see how does this person respond? Right. What makes what makes their eyes open? You know what I mean? That what makes them like, oh, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. You know, right? It's all observation. So that's kind of like how we assess our three, four, and five year olds. We observe them. We listen to them. We watch them. We see how they put things together. Like I have one child. One day, like you know, she's doing. We're doing like um. It's like um, needle. It's almost like needle threading, like sewing. So putting like the, and it's it's developing their fine motor skills. So what are some activities that we use to develop their fine motor skills? One of them is like um, stringing the, the lace through like a letter, the letter A. Like how do we incorporate learning and fine motor skills? So we have the kids like stringing um, shoelaces or laces like through the letter A. And some kids, they, they I can't do this. I'm frustrated. I can't do this. So that's not like, what they like to do and we have to try to help them work through that i can help you do you want my help and showing them how you know step by step whereas this other girl i'm still working with this one who's like frustrated about trying to put the lace in and not liking this activity really actually right. he's right. a boy actually yeah. now that i think about it it's not and, his strength yeah and then exactly it's not his strength i'll tell you what his strength is hurts he is our artist that's what he's I'm not talking in, about. he's not into stringing the letter a with this lace and he's frustrated but he's he a is a, stop telling him to fly yeah, he is a drawer <laughs> he is our class artist but the other girl across she's done stringing the letter letter a. i'm like wow you're really good at that she's an eagle she's like watch me fly wow so you know I mean? yeah. Like, yeah but you give them you expose them to all these different things and you give them the opportunity um you to build that prior knowledge to see you know what they're going to gravitate to what they're going to 
continue working with or whatever. But yeah, every child has their own given strengths and gifts and abilities. And what was your favorite subject when you were a kid in school? Well, I think it had to be reading. Reading? <laughs> it you obviously had to be reading. <laughs> Why reading? Oh, because I'll pick my awards. Yeah. Uh -huh. You know, you know what my favorite subject was? <laughs> my favorite subject was history. And I, and you see how you just looked at me? Everybody looks at me like that when I say that. But the thing is, it's like, because I saw history as like, yo, this really happened. So it was almost like, you know, finding out some good gossip. Like, yo, that king did this. Can you believe that king did that? That king is crazy. You know what I mean? So it's like, I, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed history. You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. It was just, it was like watching a good TV show. That's how I saw it. You know, it's like, yo, can you believe what they did? That's crazy. You know what I mean? So like, and I would memorize it. And, and I would, I remember when I was a kid, I would stand in my life. I had a history test the next day. I would pace back and forth and just keep repeating like the answers to me. I don't know if you, you ever done that. Like I would be like, I'll repeat the question that I know is going to be in the test. And I'll repeat the answer until it's just, oh. it's just in my head and I can't, you know what I mean? And I used to do that with all my subjects science all that stuff you know mm -hmm. and then i have a funny thing about math what's cool about math is um and i didn't always like math i learned to like math later in life but one thing about math is math will always tell you the truth math doesn't lie math will always tell you the truth even when you want it to lie mm -hmm. it's just common logical sense Math's like, no, that's not the answer. I don't care how mad you get. I don't care how emotional you get. That's not the answer. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? So that's what I kind of like about math. Right. So what's so so what's what's your favorite subject? I'm asking her daughter. Mine. So I used to be into science a lot. And um, I still kind of am like I take a biomed class and I really like that class because I'm interested in it because we learn stuff about like nursing and all that and like diseases and stuff like that. Okay. So that's like one of my favorite subjects. Um, but lately I've been liking government class a lot, which is basically like history, except okay. it has to do with like voting and politics and all that. And I just thought that that was like interesting. So do you see yourself? Is this like your potential career? Like, do you want to help people in the future? Is that like a goal of yours? Um, I'm more towards like the biomed side where it's just like nursing. Like I wanted to be a pediatric nurse for the longest amount of time. Okay. I'm not really into like politics or anything like that, but that class just made it interesting and fun. But yeah. No, that's important. Mm -hmm. Help a lot of people. That's good work. Mm -hmm. So, so, all right. So let's go to this next question. So, um, all right, so we're going to switch gears a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit about our faith, okay? So everybody that knows me knows that I am a devout Catholic. Um, I haven't always been as devout as I would like to be, and over the years, I've really come to know the Lord, and I'm very very focused on the Lord. And I can honestly say I am, a, I am a devout Catholic. So, um, so talk to me a little bit of, let's talk a little bit about that. Cause I know you are also, I know you're very, um, the church is very important to you and God is very important to you, which is great. Um, how long have you been a Catholic and what brought you to the faith? Since I was baptized. Oh, so you were since a child. Right. 
And that would be my mom and dad um, who brought me to the faith. Um, my mom put me in Catholic school in fifth grade. Okay. And that was because she did not want me to go to the public schools. Um, I was in public school up until fourth grade. And for some reason, I guess I probably would have had to have gone to some other public school for fifth grade, but that's when she pulled me out of the public schools. Um, and she put me into Catholic school. Um, so I was in Catholic school, Our Lady of Mercy from fifth to eighth grade. Then I went to Ursula, the, uh, Academy of Mount St. Ursula for high school. Okay. So, um, that's where it started. Um, and definitely I, I agree like somewhere, I, I mean, it's always been there. Um, I definitely feel like in the past years, um, I've definitely been more in tune with my faith. Um, and just very interested. Like, um, I have this habit of like on the weekends, um, I read a lot of devotionals. Um, like women's devotionals or, or daily bread or daily word, um, or three minutes a day, all these different devotionals. I have like three different stacks of devotionals, um, that I read like on the weekends. Um, and then as far as, um, I was very much, um, wanting to make sure that my children, um, were also um formed in the faith so they didn't go to catholic school um okay they were always in public school did they take like ccd classes they took faith formation classes oh. because I, we were told they were no longer called ccd classes really yeah i used to be a ccd teacher back in the day oh wow yeah okay um because it was about forming their faith and they just stress that it, it's not ccd classes it's faith oh, formation yeah church um that's interesting so they were baptized they did their communion um and confirmation um and so that's where they're at so i feel like um they're prepared for continuing with their faith formation but i did what I could do as far as giving them the education minus the Catholic school, you know, system. There's nothing wrong with that. My, my, my kids went to CCD classes cause they went to public schools cause we live up in Rockland County and the public schools up here are phenomenal, you know? So they, um, they, they went to CCD programs and I was a teacher in the CCD program and it was, it was, it was awesome. It was a great experience. I used to like do cool stuff with the kids. We used to put on plays and, you know, especially around Christmas time. And, and I had a great relationship with the kids. I tried to make it fun. You know what I mean? I tried to like, like talk to them, you know, on a certain level where I would be like, you know, I would just come in and I'd be like, I'll talk to them with my New York accent, you know, and we would say the, our father would say a prayer and I would always be like, okay, amen. And then the whole class would go, amen. Like I made it like fun. You know what I mean? And um, I had a good relationship. And it was funny because the one day I was at church, and this is recent, I was at church and I'm like leaving church. And this guy walks up to me. This guy's like six foot something, bigger than me, like big dude. 
And he walks up to me. He's like, excuse me, with his deep voice. I'm like, yeah. He goes, Mr. Flores? I'm like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, you taught me Holy Communion class. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's, 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 it's cool because you get to see the impact that you had on these kids' lives. You know what I mean? And it always warms my heart when stuff like that happens. It's nice. Right. You know? And um, that's key, too, as far as making it fun. Yeah. Because that's what helps get the children engaged in lessons and in coming to school or coming to classes and making it their favorite classes, making it interesting, interactive, and fun. Yeah, and think about it. They're going, you're making them go to school on a Sunday, you know? So it's like, you know, or on a Saturday, it's like a weekend. So it's like, you know, let's make it fun. Let's make it interesting. But, you know, teach them. But, you know, it doesn't have to be like boring. Like God is God is great. God is amazing. Laughter comes from God. You know what I mean? So that's all. It can be a fun situation, you know? So, mm -hmm. all right, so let me ask you another question. So. Um, when you go to church and you leave and you go to the mass and when you leave, how do you feel when you're, when you're walking out of the church and you're getting back in your car and you're going home? How do you feel? I'm curious to ask that because I know how I feel. So I want to just get your opinion. Um, I definitely feel like it, I, I did a good thing and I did exactly what I was supposed to do. Yes. And so that's why they, I will admit there are Sundays when I'm not able to go or I don't go, and I feel like I didn't do what I was supposed to do. Mm. So it's a very, um, when I go, it's a very fulfilling feeling, um, and I, I feel good about it, and I feel like I'm gonna have a good week, and I'm scared when I don't go because I'm like, oh, when what kind of a week I'm gonna have. Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a scary feeling like when I don't go, I feel like, when what kind of a week I'm gonna have. But I feel very blessed when I come out um, and, it, and it feels good. And I must say, I'm not the type that mm, just goes to church. So um, it's for me like it doesn't end after mass, like, I listen to a lot of different things, meaning like for me, it's not like, okay, I went to church, I did what I had to do. Like for me, it's something that like, it's, it's, it's a part of my life. It's always a part of my Absolutely. life. Absolutely. That's how it's supposed to be. Right. So like, um, if I'm, if I come home and I had, I just went to mass and yet I'm looking at the mass on EWTN, like, yeah, why are you doing that? Is the questions I'll get at home. Um, and it's like, it makes me happy. I want to hear what this homily is all about uh, because no homily is the same. Yep. So because I'm, I guess, so interested in learning and so open, like I said earlier, and wanting to know everything or maybe just extremely nosy because if you're a broadcast journalist or wanting to be one, you have to be curious about life, curious about things. So that's just one thing I want to say that for me, like it just doesn't end once I leave. And, and the thing is, it's not supposed to, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? It's supposed to be a part of your everyday life. It's supposed to be your main focus. You know, people always say, you know, you're supposed to put God first. Right. Right. But what that means is God has to be your primary source of information that's going into your brain. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's like with me, um, I know that 
I read something and I watched a video on it and all this stuff. And it was about the rosary, mm. right? And in the rosary, you know, Mary makes certain promises and certain assurances, you know, and, um, and one of the ones that stood out to me was it's impossible to be um, a sinner or off the path um, and pray the rosary every day. Because, and well, let me correct myself. I'm a sinner just like everybody else. We're all sinners. But what I mean by that is it's your life, your heart will become converted. So if you pray the rosary every day, what you're doing is you're inviting Mary and Jesus and Joseph, you're inviting the Holy Family to start to work on your heart. Mm -hmm. And they start to change you and, and make you into the best version of yourself. And let me tell you something. I said, all right, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to pray the rosary every day. And I started doing it. And my life, I'm no joke, it just started changing. I started becoming wiser in the way I was handling things. I became more patient. You know what I mean? Um, opportunities opened up for me in my career. Um, this podcast was born. You know, as I was putting together this podcast and setting up this set for you to come today, because, you know, like I told you, this is the first time I've recorded in this room. We're in the bigger room now. So this is the, you know, this is like a set set. So it's like, it's awesome. Um, as I'm putting the mics and connecting everything, I was praying the rosary. You know what I mean? I'm literally praying as I'm connecting all these things. And my son comes out and he's looking at me and he sees that I'm praying. He's like, okay. So he, he lets me pray. So, so, and I'm, it's, it's the main thing is that it just, it humbles you and it makes you realize it's not all about you. It's mm -hmm. about God and his purpose for you. Mm-hmm. You're here for a reason. Right. You know what I mean? And I have uh, the rosary had a huge impact on my life. Because for those that don't know that are not Catholic, the rosary is a meditation on the entire life of Jesus Christ from his birth to his death. So, and connecting with him on certain virtues to understand, oh, I need to be more patient. Mm. I need to be more humble. I need to have final perseverance. When things don't go my way, and let's say I suffer a little bit because life is hard, or maybe I didn't have a good day, you offer it up to God. You go, and that's an amazing thing once you learn it. You say, okay, today was not good. I did not enjoy this day. Jesus, I give it to you for whatever the intentions are of your divine heart. And he'll take that and he'll use that to help others because what you're doing is you're joining him on the cross. You're not doing what he did. You're just aligning yourself with him. You're saying, hey, take this little bit of suffering that I went through today and I give it to you. Do what you want with it. Mm -hmm. Instead of me like whining, oh man, I don't get a break. <laughs> Instead, I just give it to him. You know what I mean? Then he does what, what he feels needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you, I challenge everyone. If you have never done it, start praying the rosary. 
and just pay attention, you'll see your life change. You'll see it, but you got to do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's, it's not, it's definitely not just about just wearing it. No. Yeah. You got to pray it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, you got it. You got to pray the rosary. So it's, it's a tool. It's a tool, you know, and I think something is important to know is the devil hates Mary, hates her because she's one of us. She's a creature. She was created, but she's over him mm -hmm. that angers him. Yeah. You see, Jesus is God, so he gets that, but. Mary's one of us. She was a creation. She's not God. She's the ultimate example of what us creatures can be. And especially what a woman can be. Yeah. You know, women and men. Women and men can learn from Mary. She's a, she was an impeccable human being. And in St. Joseph. Right. You know, they they are just exceptional. They were exceptional humans mm -hmm. so good stuff so um <laughs> uh, so amen how often how often would you say you pray would you say it's every day it's every day it's all day it's at all times especially when i'm driving when i'm driving to work i pray for my students on my way to work um i definitely have seen some changes um but for example it's like a it's a part of my it's like breathing meaning like it's a part of my my day my my rituals um i pray for my children i i'm constantly praying um mm -hmm. just for their safety whenever they're not in my sight um, but it's just something it's, and it's not like, it's not like I have to stop driving and park alongside the road or something. It's just like, especially like in my car, um, while you're driving or stuck in traffic or Absolutely. in the morning when I'm getting ready, if, especially like if I'm having, if I know I have a challenging day or if I'm getting an observation or someone's coming into the classroom to observe us or something um things like that definitely praying like in the morning when i'm getting ready it's just something it's 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 not just about like just saying like the hail mary or the our far or the our father it's like um i have my own special prayer requests and intentions things that i'm constantly praying for and about so it's just a part of who i am and what you do so <laughs> yeah. and if anybody out there that's starting their career and they want a little bit of help um saint joseph is the patron saint of workers so if you want to pray to a saint to like pray for you um to help you find your career path saint joseph is your guy i agree yeah i definitely agree um and i definitely say that because before I started working, you know, where I'm working now. So there's a street called St. Joseph. Mm. Like, and I pass it every day on my way to work. So 
I definitely do believe that. I, I definitely do believe. And there's a statue of Mary like right in front of my house, which wasn't always there, um, but it's recently there. And I definitely feel like she's a reminder of how she's there. So first, every time I leave my house, like she's she's right there. Um, and throughout the day, like when I'm driving, sometimes I get detours and then like I'll pass like certain statues. And those are like, for me, those are like little reminders of like God, you know, reminding me that he's there. He's always with us, no matter what, whatever you're in. Yeah, and so the, in the church, they call it uh, fiat. So it's like Mary said yes to God. Mm -hmm. Gabriel appeared to her and said, you're going to give birth to the son of God. She said yes. Mm -hmm. And that was needed because we all have free will. She chose to say yes. So that's why she's our example because like she said yes we should say yes when god calls upon us to do whatever it is he has for us we all have different purposes mm -hmm. you know and the key is never think that you know the purpose 100 percent because he may switch it up on you and go now i need you to do this you know so i'm always like listening and paying attention and and i'll tell you when and a lot of people i said this the other day uh, to a friend of mine, when we were talking about working out, a lot of people don't go to the gym because they don't want, they don't have the time. And a lot of people don't pray because they don't have the time. But when I pray, I'm a hundred times more productive. And you can ask my son that. When I pray, like I set all this up praying because I'm asking her, I'm like, I'm tired. Help me. Help me get through this. And I pray to her and she helps me and I set it all up and it's perfect. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like prayer is so important. Like you need that spiritual exercise. It's important. Right. And you'll become the best version of yourself. You'll be amazed. You'll be amazed. You're like, yo, I'm like being really productive right now, you know? And, you know, if you, if you don't want to say the whole rosary yet, you can just say in our father, say three Hail Marys, one to ask Mary to strengthen your faith, ask Mary to strengthen your hope, and ask Mary to strengthen your charity to pray for you. And then she'll pray to her son for you. And then you say, glory be, call it a day. Do that in the morning. What's that, like 10 minutes? Mm -hmm. Do that. You do that and you will see it. She'll start working on your heart. She'll start helping you. She'll start guiding you. Jesus will lead you. Mm -hmm. And it takes 10 minutes. Right. Try it. Mm -hmm. Let me know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> you okay. know? Um, okay. So I think that is all my questions. Okay. So I think this was a lot of fun. Mm -hmm. I'm really happy that you came um on the show it means a lot to me oh, okay. i know i know it was a little bit of a hike for you not too bad over an hour and maybe a couple of minutes it's just my gps i'm telling you you gotta use ways <laughs> i'm gonna try ways going back let's see no but this is this was a great show i appreciate you i thank you for your time um thank you for all the amazing things you're doing with the kids in the school because you're literally shaping our future Mm -hmm. So, you know, big debt of gratitude for that from all the parents of the world. And um, and thank you to you, too, for coming on the show. Next time I'll have a microphone for you, too. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so there's a lot more to talk about and a lot more conversations to have. And and definitely, I'd I'd, I'd say um, some key words for parents: patience and for teachers, patience and always keeping it fun. Absolutely, keeping it fun. That's the that's that's the most important thing, you know. So, all right, guys. So that's it for this episode of the podcast. Um, thank you all for listening in, and I'll see you next time.